Hi, this is David Shoemaker, and I'd like to welcome you to this latest segment of Living Philema. Now, today's segment is going to focus on patterns, cycles, and obstacles in your magical path. And I have to tell you, this is probably one of the most often asked questions uh, that I receive in the various teaching contexts that I operate. And I think it's because it's so clearly universal. There is just no question that no matter who you are, no matter what course of training you're undertaking, you will, by definition, come up against uh, obstacles, whether self-imposed or externally imposed, um, probably usually the former. And um, inevitably, you'll encounter certain patterns and, and cycles of, of work, including cycles that take you through dry spells that take you through um, peaks of work where you feel really connected and really vibrantly um, aligned with with the work and everything in between. And one of the real keys to persistence and sustaining motivation and uh, connection with the work is having some understanding that these cycles are inevitable, not beating yourself up when they occur not letting yourself slip into despondency when things aren't going like you planned or as you expected. So we're going to talk about different angles on this, including ways to understand the cycles, ways to kind of conceptualize them, um, how to deal with dry spells, how to uh, understand and break yourself out of these dry spells. So uh, a number of topics, and uh, I will be very interested to hear, as always, your your feedback and, and questions uh, following this segment. Now let's start with a little bit of discussion of how to understand cycles, how to give them a conceptual framework so that you can make sense of them and, uh, and use them to your advantage, actually. Now Crowley touches on some of this in Magic and Theory and Practice when he discusses the various magical formulae. Um, one of these that I want to give some attention to today is the EAO formula, I-A-O, for those of you who are less familiar with it. Now, what we're getting at with the EAO formula is a three-stage cycle of any endeavor, whether it's personal work or something else. And the three stages correspond roughly to the idea of Isis, Apophis, and Osiris. Now, in the Isis stage... Um, this is characterized by an innocence, a freshness of experience of the process. You've taken on a new ritual procedure, and you're experimenting with it, and you're excited about it, and you're, you're experiencing it as a new direction in your life, um, a new thing to try. You know, you're, you're, you're into it. It's new. You have some commitment to it. Uh, you're not at all disillusioned with it. It's too new for that. Um, Eventually, you move into what we call the apophis phase, the A phase, where you get disillusioned. You start to feel a little bit lazy. You start to get a little disappointed that maybe it's not going as well as you expected or you're not doing as well at it as you expected. Um, you begin to question whether it was the right choice. You uh, get lazy. You get tired of doing the same thing over and over again. You know, let's say you've decided, okay, I'm really going to work on asana now. I'm going to sit in that posture and uh, and really lengthen my time. And and then long about the 
second week of doing this every day, uh, the, um, the boredom sets in or you start getting distracted. You get the idea. Um, and then we reach the Osiris phase, which brings, um, much like the archetype of Osiris as the, um, arisen God who is, uh, had, has been reformed anew, um, you get new insights and perspectives on the blockages you've just come through. Um, you emerge from that whole blackness, the, the a phase with, um, a newfound clarity about the whole process. And what I think is really essential here is to understand that you can't get to the mature understanding of any process without going through that middle phase. It's not all about innocence and beauty and perfection, newness and excitement, leading directly to enlightenment in almost every case. It requires you to have some of the perhaps even painful um, disillusionment and questioning that occurs in the middle phase in order to, uh, to really grasp what it's all about and integrate it. So this whole cycle, the EIO cycle, is one that I encourage you to remember when you are uh, undertaking a new task, a new course of training, for example, and um, let it help you not get bogged down, disillusioned, um, and above all else, let it help you uh, persist through the A phase, uh, through that apophis darkness, and um, and emerge on the other side so that you can really get the full benefit of what you're doing. Now let's look at another kind of cycle, another way of conceptualizing these cycles, the alchemical principle of solve et coagula. And this basically consists of a phase in which things are broken apart, analyzed, fragmented purposely, um, which is then followed by the coagula phase, a synthesis phase, where things are brought together, reintegrated, um, in a, in a refined way where, um, you have a deeper understanding of the interconnectedness and the role of each of the parts you've previously analyzed and the whole truly becomes more than the sum of its parts, as they say. So the reason this formula seems so important to me in terms of understanding our personal work is that there are so many phases, so many instances in our, in our practices where, um, the nature of our work requires us to fragment in order to develop. We have to look at different aspects of ourself. Um, for example, in a, in a training system that's based on the tree of life where you have to, uh, sequentially focus on the different sephirothic, uh, or elemental grades of an order. Um, the certain tasks keyed to those different aspects of self, the intellect or the, the body, etc. Um, those are necessarily fragmented. And the point is to have a deeper connection and understanding to those aspects of self so that when you resynthesize them, um, they have been in essence, uh, purified and consecrated and dedicated to the greater work of the process. But in, when you're in the middle of one of those places, when you're focus is drawn to just one aspect of yourself, there will be a tendency for dryness at times. There will be, a, or alternately, a tendency to 
be so immersed in it and so um, emotionally overwhelmed by it that it's hard to get your head out of that. Um, either way, the danger is one of losing sight of the overall pattern. That is of, for example, forgetting that all your work on asana is just a phase of getting your body still uh, and not getting into a state of despair that uh, you know all your work is just focused on this one task of sitting still. More importantly, because this is such a persistent uh, trouble spot, the sole way end of the equation, the, the analysis and the fragmentation phase of the work can be one that can be very disillusioning. It can, it can lead us to feel that there's too many aspects drawing our attention. There's, there's just too much on the plate. There's too many individual things that we can't put together that we feel, um, unable to grasp. It's overwhelming to us. And so my main point is that when you feel that way, consider that you're simply on one end of the cycle. You're in a phase of the work where that's the way it's going to feel. That's the way it's supposed to feel in a sense until you get to the next synthesis phase. So try not to lose heart at those moments. To be slightly cliche about this, um, things have to fall apart before they can fall back together. And when they fall back together, it's going to be in a refined and perfected pattern by virtue of the falling apart. It's basically what it comes down to. Now, a, a general principle I want to share before I move on to the next topic is that um, when we get to a stuck place, um, a dry spell, an obstacle, what feels like an obstacle in the work, um, one, of the, one of the greatest gifts you can give yourself is to see it as a spiral rather than a back-to-square-one kind of situation. In other words, you've come back around to a place that you recognize that feels dry and unsatisfying and um, stuck. But if you can see how this time around is slightly different than the last time, if you can find a a way to understand within the context of your overall progress that this particular stuck place is the latest example of a type of stuck place, but it's not the same stuck place as you had before. Um, this can help with, with motivation and not getting too, um, too, disillu too disillusioned by the feeling. Um, so think of it like an upward spiral. You're cycling back around. The, the terrain is somewhat familiar but you're at a slightly higher level than you were before. Okay, so let's look at some other ways to understand and experience uh, stuck points and obstacles that we encounter in the work. One of the most important is the experience of coming to a new understanding, a moment when you feel like you've finally gotten your head above the clouds, you've had a, a profound mystical experience of some kind or a breakthrough in a line of work you're pursuing. And inevitably, because turns out you're a human being, you, you come back down from that into the mundane world and you go to work the next day or you deal with your, your family, um, the next day. And, and sure enough, you know, the, the mundane world hasn't, uh, 
parted like the Red Sea in front of you to be a, a problem-free environment, you, you get disillusioned. You have had your head above the clouds, and it's depressing to not be able to stay there more often. Um, and uh, so, once again, the key is to have some compassion with yourself and understand that the ego, the ruach, is trying to adjust to straddling that, um, that gap between the idealized experience and the way that most of life plays out in a mundane fashion. The key to avoiding despair here is to understand the universality of this experience. It's completely expectable. It is completely normal, and it is not a bad sign of anything. You've had your head above the clouds, and you'll get back there when the time is right. Um, another way to look at obstacles, stuck places, dry spells, uh, is to ask what the obstacle is teaching you. Why did you need to be stuck right now? Why did you need to be held down in the place where you are longer than your ego felt necessary? Um, the answer to that question is very often that there's a particular maturation process that you needed to undergo. You needed to um, slow down, look at something, feel something, wrestle with something. And I think if you reflect back on the times in your life that have been most transformative, you will find, with the help of your diary hopefully, that those transformations were very often marked by um, coming through a desert of some kind um, where, where you felt very stuck and lost. Um, without imposing any matters of belief upon you, I think it's often useful if you work in a system that conceptualizes a holy guardian angel, that the process of, of walking toward knowledge and conversation with the angel has many points in it where um, it's necessary to be slowed down, to be hindered, to have the feeling, anyway, of, of being hindered um, while we grow in just the way we need to through exactly the trials that we need to in order to become a more perfect vessel for the, uh, the light that is awaiting us. Another question to ask when encountering an obstacle or stuck point is, uh, do I have an undue degree of lust of result here? How much ego involvement and attachment do I have to whatever end I'm working toward? Um, and is that tripping me up? I think that is very often the case and for all of us. And uh, so, uh, so it's a very important question to ask. It's useful to think about the mechanism of these shadowy times enter, entering our, our work and our lives. Um, the Jungian analyst Robert Johnson, who I've mentioned before in other segments, um, has some lectures on this. And he discusses the, the various ways, as, as he puts it, the ways that spirit enters our world. And one of these is through paradox. When we encounter a, a choice point in life, a dilemma that seems to have no rational solution, we're stuck. We don't know what to do. 
seems like it's a rock and a hard place. There's no seemingly no right choice. Well, what's happening there, what, what we can open ourselves up to happening there is that the Ruach, the ego, um, is stymied by the situation and has nowhere to turn. It can't think itself out of it. And in the breakdown that occurs there, there is space for the Neshama to enter. There is an opening for inspiration and intuition. And if you trust that, if you let go of some of the attachment to thinking your way out of these dilemmas, you'll create that space in yourself for the voice of the angel, of your own deeply spiritually informed conscience. Another way that spirit enters our lives is through shadow confrontations. And so in these moments when we seem to be tripped up by something within ourselves that's unacknowledged or unwanted, for example, say, um, a tendency toward emotional attachment to people or things, um, an addiction, a, um, a conflict between our magical goals and the external life we have set up for ourselves, things like that, things that we want to push away and not think about. Those are some of the truest opportunities we will ever have for growth and transformation. And if we embrace that, I've talked about confronting the shadow before too. If we embrace that, that aspect of self that we've been pushing away, we can again, allow the voice of spirit to be heard. This is something deep within us saying um, to not ignore the wholeness of who we are, to not carve out a part of ourselves and demonize it and refuse to look at it. If we've been doing that, it's going to come find us. And the sooner we embrace that rather than run from it, the sooner we will grow from it. So that's another major reason that we hit what seem to be obstacles and stuck points. Now, I'm going to bring this segment to a close with a few final concrete suggestions in terms of getting unstuck. Um, one of them is as much a cognitive behavioral um, therapy principle as it is uh, a magical principle, and that's simply just do anything. When you feel stuck, disillusioned, uh, overwhelmed, immobilized, the most kind of therapeutic thing you can do for yourself is to simply take action so that you can see that you're not actually immobilized. There's no way you're going to be able to tell yourself, you know, I, I, I'm stuck. I can't do anything. Uh, I'm, I'm lost. When you've seen that you've made yourself just get up and do a banishing or, you know, do 10 minutes of, of meditation on something right in your diary, uh, anything. Don't worry about which thing it is. Just do something. One of the big traps that people get into is overthinking and uh, getting somewhat perfectionistic with their magical choices so that if they don't, they feel like if they don't pick just the right thing to do, that it's the wrong thing to do, that there's a catastrophic result of um, choosing one practice over another or choosing the right working to do now instead of another. And almost in every case, this, this, this will not be 
um, a catastrophic choice. So don't pressurize the situation by telling yourself that it is, and simply just do something. Another thing you can try is when you're you're stuck, confused, hitting a paradox moment, aid the neshama in its attempts to get some sense into you, and uh, or rather nonsense, as the case might might be. Um, do a divination. Uh, take the situation before you and make a conscious decision to not make an ego-based um, decision on the overall issue. Do a tarot spread or uh, throw the jing or even just flip a coin. You know, it's a good way of shaking up the ego's um, death grip on control over these sorts of life decisions. Uh, another thing you can do is when you when you can identify that an obstacle you're facing is because of a surplus of some type of energy within yourself. Let's say you've recognized that the the Mars energy, the Gaboran kind of force within you is um, too present. You, you you've got too much uh, aggression or too much uh, you know bluster in your life, and you need some some peace. Um, rather than, for example, designing some sort of ritual to reduce Gaboran energy, which would be counterproductive, uh, do a ritual to increase the complementary force. So something on the mercy side, a, a Jupiter ritual, a Hesed ritual, um, something to, um, to counterbalance in a positive way. So you're always working on the idea of bringing in the forces you need rather than carving out, cutting away, pushing down the forces you want less of. It's just a more constructive way to, uh, to achieve balance, in my opinion. And the final idea I want to leave you with is the embracing of the sense of limitation itself as an opportunity for growth. We've touched on this a little bit with different words, but it's good to reinforce that when you feel that you're uh, up against a wall, when choices feel limited, when you feel dry, you feel stuck, uh, recognize, much as in that Iao formula, that it's this very sense of limitation that is going to force you to develop new resources. It's going to force you to mature in certain ways, to develop a new formula for your work, for your life, for yourself, that wouldn't mature otherwise. You, you had to hit the wall. And if you can know that despite whatever egoic discomfort you encounter when these obstacles arise, if you can know and trust that that guarantees your growth to sit with it and to wrestle with it and to emerge from it, um, you can find some degree of comfort in that. And know that these limitations, these dark nights, these dry spells are very much a part of the path and a part of your success on the path. So please keep that in mind. I hope you've found some useful suggestions in today's segment. And uh, as always, I encourage you to write me with comments or suggestions uh, or post them on the Facebook page for Living Thelema. Also, as always, uh, contact me um, through livingthelema.com um, if you have uh, any need to be in touch. And uh, 
Once again, I thank you for listening, and I look forward to talking to you next time.